So today we talk about cultivating a life of prayer. In August, early to mid-August, during one of my sermons, I confessed to you something. With all the busyness of last year, and we had more than our share of busyness last year, in all of our busyness last year, as things kept getting busier and busier and harder to manage and harder to manage, I did the worst thing that I could possibly do. I let my prayer life and my fellowship with God come second to the details and the busyness of this life. And because of that, just like Peter when he took his eyes off the Lord in the midst of that great storm, in the midst of all the details, I was getting wearier and wearier. I was withering. And by the time July rolled around, when we had finished all of that busyness, I was kind of a shell of a human being. More so than I think I ever had been. And the great conviction came on to me just between that July and August time. That the reason that had happened is I had cut myself off from life itself. And I, and I confess that to you and I also <clears throat> rededicated my life not just to the prayer life that I once knew but to grow in it. And I'm going to tell you today that what we're going to talk about today, much of it is a result of what I have experienced in prayer doing the hours of prayer with my Lord. And I'm going to testify to you how in the midst of weeks like last week when we had two funerals and an All Saints Mass and an All Souls Mass and then our regular Sunday morning Mass, I floated through it. God made, and every day, I was tempted because of the details that needed to be managed and the preparation for sermons and teachings that needed to be had. I was tempted to do them first. Then if I had time to pray, but I didn't. I prayed. And God made time where there was no time. What I needed their time, sometimes you know, it variates how long it takes to really not only hear from God what the sermon is supposed to be for all of us, but to actually put it together and give thought to it in prayer. Uh, all Saints sermon came in 15 minutes. I know some of y'all are thinking, yeah, that sounds like a 15-minute sermon to me. <laughs> but All Saints sermon came in 15 minutes on a day of one of the funerals. Same thing happened with All Souls. <laughs> If we will pray, and if we will fellowship with God, He will change time to make sure that we have everything that we need. Because the bread of life is the bread of life. And He gives us Himself and makes a way for all things necessary. So, I tell that to you, just so you know kind of a, a little bit about where all this is coming from. But also this. Ever since I was a teenager, I was really blessed with a youth group that was a very spiritually mature youth group. We dealt with a lot of stuff. And we saw people entangled in sins, including myself, come out of them by the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we, we dealt with some pretty significant and very heavy stuff and saw what God can do. And I was really blessed with that. And ever, ever since those teenage days, in my heart of hearts, and it's been growing as I continue to age... The greatest desire of my heart 
is to see the fullness of what our Lord desires of His church on earth. To be a part of a fellowship of believers where every living stone is taking their place. And, and by the grace of God, though not perfectly, but by the grace of God, pressing in to know Him, to hear from Him. Because again, like I said this morning, if we do that, you will see the, the, the kingdom of God manifest in our midst. And I don't want to leave this earth and this body without even ta- without tasting of that here to the fullest degree. That's my heart to encourage you, but it's also my heart for me. Okay? So as we look at prayer today, the best thing I really thought that I could do is share with you kind of the flow of my own prayer life. When I'm praying the hours of prayer, and we're going to look at morning prayer and St. Aidan's prayer. And by the way, I know a number of you have a prayer discipline. might not be with St. Aidan's. might be another Western Rite. Some may be using an Eastern Rite. It'll all apply. You'll see the meaning. But I'm going to share with you through my own prayer life, not only how to pray these prayers that are given to us, which are incredibly important, but how to allow God to draw us into Himself with each prayer so that we experience Him beyond the words of the page and even beyond the words coming out of our mouth, that He leads us through these prayers into a blessed time of fellowship. And... The church, and I'm, this is not going to be an exhaustive list, exhaustive list, but you know, the church teaches us that prayer is all of the following. It is, you've heard me say this, fellowship. Fellowship with God. Just like when you share a meal with your spouse or a friend or spend time with someone, prayer is fellowship with God. Secondly, in prayer... God desires to reveal Himself to us. And if you remember that prayer that we pray all the time, show the light of thy countenance, what? And we shall be made whole. What does that mean, show the light of thy countenance? Lord, reveal yourself to me. Your nature, your virtues, your love. Let me experience these things and I'll be made whole. Prayer is that revelation of God to us. Prayer is where our Lord teaches us His ways. You do know that disciples followed Him around, lived with Him daily, every day, most of the moments of the day. They followed Him. They heard Him. They heard Him speak. They saw what He did. And in the backdrop, have you ever wanted just to have an ear to the ground with things that were not in Scripture? Can you fathom what the Word of God, Jesus Christ, may have been teaching them just as they were going to bed in an evening? This is what we're talking about. Our Lord wants to disciple His disciples. And He wants to do so in prayer. He guides us. He gives us direction. Like the great psalm talks about, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. What does that mean? He goes before us, lighting the way. He wants to speak direction to our lives. We speak to Him in prayer. And if we'll shut up, we might hear something. Truly. And the church teaches us always that we are made whole, we are saved. That's what salvation means, to be made whole. It doesn't mean a ticket to paradise. 
being made whole is your ticket to paradise, but it's the being made whole that is what salvation means. And that is only by the experience of God in our lives, not by the intellect at all. And I'm not putting down the intellect. It's part of our human nature. It's part of God's gift to us. But intellectual learning alone is not your salvation. The experience of a living Christ is your salvation. And all theology does is show us what the living Christ has shown us so far. You see? Prayer is the active relationship we have with God. So, before we get into these prayers, I want to talk about the pattern of prayer. Because that's important. You know, Jesus' disciples asked him, went straight up to him one time and said, how do we pray? What did he give them? He gave them the first Christian liturgical prayer. He didn't, he, notice what he didn't say. Whatever you're feeling. Our feelings are important, but that's not what he answered. And they're important to him, but that's not what he gave them. He gave them a means to pray. And that prayer goes like this, and there is a pattern of the Lord's Prayer that I tell you that every prayer we pray as Orthodox Christians follows the same pattern. So let's look at that pattern of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Have you heard a request for anything yet? No. Who is set before us at the very dawn of prayer? God Himself. And His kingdom, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first half of the Lord's Prayer, and I think I've shared this with you, and I'm not going to have time to go back into this story, but when God, before I even was pursuing the ancient faith, He taught me about this pattern of prayer when I was at one of my lowest points in life. And I was sitting in a garden, and I told Him I have no more words to say. I have said everything I can say out of my heart and all of my struggles. And the little whisper that came into my ear, why don't you pray what I told my disciples to pray? And so I began. Our Father, but I had to stop. And He gave me illumination in my life as to how He's been my Father all of those years. And I started talking to Him about it. You see where the words on the page were our Father who art in heaven. But what he did is he took that little part, our father, and said, stop for a minute with that. Let me show you how I'm your father. How I've been your father. And talk to me about it. Let's talk. I spent two hours praying and I could hardly get beyond 20 or 30 minutes in my entire life up to that point just praying the our father. Because the first half of prayer... The first half of all liturgical prayer is God taking our broken selves and the way that we see Him that may have been skewed because of the experiences of the day. The first half of the Lord's Prayer is God taking our chin and helping us to see Him right. Because only when we see Him for who He really is can we now converse. Can I now understand things? He's granting us the revelation of Himself in the first half of prayer. Then and only then do we carry on. Give us this day our daily bread. Now that I know who you are. Now that I see you clearly for who you are. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses and so on and so forth. Do you see the framework? Intercession is second. The revelation of God is first. 
bringing ourselves before Him and letting Him reveal Himself in such a way that we see Him right before we even utter a word of intercession. And I tell you that that is the pattern of every Orthodox hour of prayer. So let's take a look. If you would, go to page 8. We're going to look at morning prayer. Page 8 in your St. David. And just before we get into that, keep your finger there and take a look at this sheet. What you see on the top of the sheet is called, and most of you all know this, some will say a lattice, it's a trellis. It's a trellis. How many of you know what the purpose of a trellis is? Yeah, what? Yeah, it provides a framework, a physical strong framework for the vine to grow on it. And that's why you see at the top, you'll see the trellis. On the bottom, you'll see a trellis in action. And what I want you to come to understand, I pray this goes into your mind forever and in your heart, is that the liturgical prayers of the church are the trellis, the blank one. That doesn't diminish it. They are the trellis. They are the framework. They are the order of prayer that sets our soul right. Why? What's the, what's the vine? Who said, I am the vine? So that the vine himself, fellowship with him, is the vine that grows on the trellis. We have a trellis. Those are the hours of prayer. Or matins. Or vespers. Or even mass. Did the liturgy. We have a trellis upon which the life of God with His people grows. And that is how I forever pray that you will see prayer. Because if all you do, and thank God you do them if you do this, but if all you do is just try to get through the words of a page and get yourself on, you got a nice trellis, and it's not that it's not going to do anything damaging, and it might indeed still help you. But you're not going beyond. You're not allowing God to provide that time of fellowship and let the vine grow. Where we truly interact with Him, speak with Him, and hear from Him. So what I'm going to show you is the way that I see the trellis and the vine based on my own prayer life. Okay? Um, Let's take a look. Morning prayer, page 8. First thing we do, we cross ourselves. That's why you have that little cross there. We cross ourselves. And my friends, before we even utter a word, and you've heard me, of those of you who have been with us, you've heard me preach from the church fathers on the power of the sign of the cross. That when we sign ourselves with the cross, if we'll join ourselves to it and do it in a prayerful manner, the power of the cross comes into the moment. All of the grace, all of the love, All of the forgiveness of Christ comes into the moment. So don't negate thinking about that every time you sign. Don't let it just be emotion. I can wave to you and that does just as good. Let Christ come into the action. Okay? So we sign ourselves with the cross. And the first thing we say is, In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And again, if you let that pass through your mouth too quickly... You need to understand what you're saying. You're saying, Lord, I come to you as one who has been baptized. You have placed me in your name. 
you have placed me in yourself. Before I preach, or before anyone preaches in this church, what do they say? In the name. I speak to you in the name. The nature, the authority of Christ, I'm in Him. And that's what we pray. And then we pray the Our Father. We're not going to go through that. And then we pray, much of our Western Rite prayer books will have us pray the Angelus. Or at least the first part. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. That's in every prayer book because of the importance of asking our Lord's Mother's intercession for us. For she does this. And we're remembering that blessed moment where salvation came into the world when Gabriel came to her and said, Hail, highly favored art thou. And she said, Thy will be done. So our salvation is before us. And then, Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy upon us three times. We are proclaiming the holiness of God and glory to the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Have you noticed that the whole beginning so far, have we asked for anything? No. It's following the pattern of our Lord's Prayer. We're praying to Him and letting Him bring us a clear vision of Himself. Take our chin to see Him right, is what we're doing. And then we pray our faith. Some prayer books may have the Nicene Creed, which is what we use in all of our Vespers and Matins and Mass, or it may have the Apostles' Creed. This has the Apostles' Creed. Either way, we are proclaiming before this God the great faith of our salvation. The faith believed of the universal, holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. Okay? Okay, now we move to intercession. I thank the Heavenly Father for the rest of the past night and the gift of a new day. Grant that I may, excuse me, grant that I may live today in thy service. That at evening I may truly praise thy holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. My friends, those who live, they start with this foundation of prayer. Those who live according to God's will throughout the day. I promise you, it doesn't matter what happened in that day, they go to bed with joyful peace in their minds and hearts. And we're praying for just that. We're saying, I give myself to you. Help me be in your service so that when I put my head on the pillow, I hear perhaps that blessed, well done, good and faithful servant that brings the soul to peace and nothing else. I don't go to bed with a damaged conscience, but in the peace of God. (laughs) Have mercy, God, upon all people. Bless thy holy church, thy bishops and clergy, and all faithful people on earth and in paradise. Bless my family, friends, and neighbors especially. And there's a blank. I emailed you a list of parishioners to pray for, right? And it's broken up five days a week. You can choose whatever five days. This is where you list their names. And listen, I know that not all of you know what's going on in one another's lives entirely. I know more about the majority of you than you know about one another. But you know enough. And even if you don't know anything that's going on in a person's life, you lift their name up and say, Lord, have mercy. And if you know somebody that is struggling, or you've got a prayer request, or such and such, whatever it is, when you get to their name, pray for them. Talk to God on their behalf. 
and leave them in your hand, leave them in his hands. Does that make sense? Pray for them. And I tell you this. How many of you know that scriptures say that Jesus Christ is interceding for us always? What we pray to get to in prayer is such a unity with Him that we pray what He's praying. And our Lord desires to share His mind. I can't tell you how many times I didn't know how to pray for someone through a particularly hard circumstance. And while I'm praying, He gives me an idea of how to pray. This is how He wants to be with us in fellowship. To tell us, hey look, here's how I'm praying for this person. Join me. And we join Him in intercessory prayer. But lift them up. And then, after you're done with that list, have compassion upon those who are sick, in trouble, or danger especially. I try to do my best to keep you apprised of all those who are suffering with illnesses through email. So lift their names up. That's the place... Thank you. You're very welcome. That's the place where we pray for the sick. Those who are struggling in different ways. And may the souls of the faithful through the mercy of God rest in peace. We continue in prayer for ourselves. Page 10. I commit myself to God for today. Listen to those words. Self-offering. I commit myself to God for today. By the help of His grace, I will endeavor to keep His commandments and to follow faithfully in the way of Jesus Christ our Lord. And I always like to add to that, and no other way. Only in Christ. Only in Christ. And then we pray regarding our our guardian angel. O holy guardian angel to whose care God in His mercy has committed me. Stand by me now and at my last hour. Protect me against all the powers of darkness. Defend my soul. Defend me from all the enemies and conduct my soul to the mansions of bliss. When we pray that, the reason our Lord has had His church pray the prayer for our guardian angel is to increase our awareness of just how much He's stacked in our favor for our salvation. He wants us to know what we have that He has gifted for us, for our salvation. And, you know, I don't know if you were here... Some of you may have been here, some of you may have not. Where we had the, uh, on Sunday, we were able to celebrate St. Michael and all angels. Okay? And I preached on that so that we have a basic foundational understanding of what God has gifted us with in the angelic and what they do for our lives, the great unseen, which far surpasses what is seen. And so when we pray this, and if you want to know more about about the the role of a guardian angel, be careful. I say this, be careful. Google it. But Google it, orthodox, guardian angel, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to get some whacked out stuff if you go Googling guardian angels. But what the church teaches, what the church teaches is so beautiful and profound. And, and, when, and the more that I pray this prayer and the more that I read the teachings of the church, oh, I love my guardian angel. I love it. It's, un, it's, it's, it's incredible. And so we pray the prayer for our holy guardian angel. The hymn you can say or sing, totally up to you. I'm not going to go through the words of this because I'm going to move beyond it. But the words are beautiful. Then notice what it says after the hymn. You may add other prayers from this book. Say one of the litanies or what. You you have freedom here to pray. This is where, again, God is even giving us space in the midst of the trellis for the vine to grow. Okay, now I want to talk to you about what I do at this point. 
It is at this point after the hymn that before I do additional prayers, that's where I read Scripture. Every day, everyone here knows, because we get it out on a monthly basis, that we have daily readings of Scripture, two in the morning for morning prayer and two in the evening for evening prayer. And it is here that I will read the morning prayer readings for that day. But I want to encourage you, how do we read that prayer? Once again, you can read it by just reading the words and go on to the rest of the prayers, just like you do just doing the prayers and that's that. Or you can ask God to truly teach you. You can ask God to speak to you about anything pertaining to your life right now or the life of another that may be encouraging for them. As you read the Scripture, Lord, teach me your ways. And I always preface that before I read the Scripture. Lord, I'm here to hear you. Teach me your ways. And I want to share with you one example. And by the way, we're going to go a little bit late today, if you don't mind. This is just too important. Not a week and a half ago, and if you've been going through the daily readings, you know we've been going through 1 Kings. And I was in prayer over there in the nave, I think it was a Tuesday morning. And the scripture reading of that day was when God comes to Solomon, who is now made king after David, Solomon being the son of King David. David had died, Solomon is now the king. And I want you to listen to what the reading was for that day. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. That is a load of beef. Thousand burnt offerings the king made to God. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. He honored his sacrifice. And God said, Ask, what shall I give you? Listen to Solomon's response. You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am just a child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, what does Solomon ask for? Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now, that's King Solomon, and I'm not him. But how did that impact me? I'll tell you what the Lord communicated to me directly. And I voiced it back to him. I'm not a priest, I'm a king. I'm not a king, I'm a a priesthood in your church. And all of you came to my mind. How in the world, Lord, can I help them in salvation? Unless you give me wisdom and an understanding heart. I'm helpless. I ask from you what you gave Solomon. Give me wisdom. Give me an understanding heart. And my friends, if you had read that, your mind may have gone, as a father to my children, Lord, give me an understanding heart. As an owner of a business, 
Lord, give me wisdom and an understanding heart that you may be glorified in all I... Do you see what I'm saying? That particular day, and every day, not every day is such a profound experience, but is always food for the soul. But I share with you that one just to show you how God can take where you are in life and by the daily reading of Holy Scripture bring you to Himself and teach you and have you cry out for something He really wants to give you anyway. Hmm? And so we read the Holy Scriptures as a time for God to communicate to us and us back to Him. Make it a fellowship. And by the way, here's where we're always cautious. If you ever wonder through the reading of Scripture whether you've heard something from God or whether it was the bad pizza you ate last night, that's why you have a priest and a church to come and say, Father, I think I've heard this. Do you think this is really from God for me? And we discern it together and we trust God. But there are times you have no need because you know. And so you walk in those ways. And so we read Holy Scripture. Now... After the reading of Holy Scripture, I'm going to attend to some various prayers. And if you would, those are found in this book. And I will start on page 17. And I'm only, unfortunately, going to go through a num- just a few of these, not all the ones that I do. So that you see again the interactions we can have with God as the, tre- as the vine grows on the trellis. Is everybody on page 17? Okay. I always love this prayer, and I always say this prayer. Oh God, set our hearts at liberty from the service of ourselves, that we may do Thy will. We are so shackled by our thinking about ourselves constantly. We all battle this. We're self-consumed. And this prayer is about becoming God-consumed. Because when we're God-consumed, we are freed from the bondage of those thoughts about us. And we are free to serve Him. Then there's this prayer for the parish. I would ask all of you to pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who dost govern all things in heaven and earth, mercifully grant to this parish all things needful for its spiritual welfare, especially... Notice there's a blank there. I'll tell you what I pray recently. And it always changes with the needs of our parish. But right now I'm focusing on three things that I always lift before the Lord. So mercifully grant to this parish all things needful for its spiritual welfare. Especially, Lord, grant them a heart to fellowship with you. Give everyone who is here at St. Peter such a desire to know you and be with you and fellowship with you in prayer in the reading of Holy Scripture, in all of the sacraments. Give them a zeal to be with you. And I pray, Lord, share your heart for the lost with us. Share your heart for the lost and the suffering. Grant it to us so that we can live as you live towards those who are lost. And that we can see salvation worked out in the lives of so many. And I pray a number of other things, but these are examples... Join me in those prayers for sure. But whatever you see, I tell you, I do pray this too. Give us a long-suffering love for one another with meekness and gentleness. And help us all to place our hands over our mouth, tame the tongue so that we dwell in love with one another and edify each other. I pray that too. Go with me to page 19. 
You can see there are numerous other prayers. By the way, the prayer for patience, you know, you've heard me say, don't ever pray for patience. Pray this one. Pray this one. Because it's not about the patience you're thinking of. It literally is about how we respond to people when they revile against us. It's a beautiful prayer. There's a prayer here, and I think I've shared this by email once, or I can't remember, email or Facebook, but it's a parent's prayer. And so this is for all those parents. Oh, Heavenly Father, I commend the souls of my children to Thee. And then I name them. For me, Jonathan, Jesse, and Elizabeth. And then I stop and pray for each one. I stop and pray for Jonathan in all that he is needing and I see his needs are and direction and I pray the same thing that you bring him into fellowship constantly with you. I pray for Jesse for his direction in life and various things that he needs. For my little Elizabeth, I pray for her. I pray that God protect her blessed innocence. That He keep her before Him with the sweet spirit that God has given her. I pray for my children from knowing them. And then when I'm done praying what's on my heart for all of my children, I continue. Be thou their God and Father and mercifully supply whatever's wanting in me through frailty or negligence. Do you hear that? Supply for them where I fail. Because I do. I'm so glad that's in there. Strengthen them to overcome the corruptions of the world. To resist all solicitations to evil, whether from within or without. And deliver them from the secret snares of the enemy. Pour thy grace into their hearts and confirm and multiply in them the gifts of thy Holy Spirit. If you turn to page 20, there are other familial prayers. Prayer for husband and wife. It's a prayer for your marriages. Pray it. Pray for your marriages. Prayer for a home. There will be a place where angels reside, not the demonic. That it's kept holy, a sacred space for you and your family. The prayer of St. Michael is in there. I pray that. You're getting the picture. What I hope you're seeing is that when we pray the prayers, we have the opportunity with any of those prayers for God to lead us into deeper prayer on that issue. To stop there for a minute. Like if I'm praying for the parish. Yeah, there's the words on the written page. But then I start praying for the parish. For its specific needs. And what I believe God desires for us. Same thing for your families. Prayer is to be a walk in the garden of fellowship with God every time. And it doesn't mean that you're going to hear the angel trumpets. Every time you do it. But I want to tell you this from my own experience. And not just in the week where we had such a busy week and a difficult week. But every week, everything has changed. Everything has changed in the way that I perceive things. In the way that I respond to people at certain times. Why? Because when we walk in fellowship with God, what he, by grace, and this is such a gift, He lets us see things as He sees them. And when we see things as He sees things in our practical daily lives, our lives begin to respond as He would respond. You know what that's called? Theosis. We are becoming like our Lord in the daily. And it stems from prayer. Does that make sense? Does this help you? I pray.
I pray you pray. <laughs> but I do. I'm telling you, if we will pray, if you will begin this journey, your perspective will change. And as a parish, we will delight in the things that we see that God does among us. Even more so than we do now. And I thank God for all He's doing now. Let's stand.